You can be seated. Let's pray. It says in Psalm 36, starting at verse 5, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love, both high and low among men. Find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. What a beautiful passage, Father, of all of your creation that you superintend, you, you care for. Not only do you make it, you watch over it and establish it and minister to it, including us. We are in awe of you, God. There's no one like you. Your power is so vast. Your knowledge and understanding and wisdom, as Jane mentioned, incomprehensible. And so we do look to you and put our faith in you. And we want to have real faith, Lord, not fake faith, but true trust in you that is growing deeper and deeper. Lord, may we proclaim the truth of the gospel everywhere we go in word and deed and to live it. Lord, I would pray for the congregation this morning that everyone here, everyone connected with our church family will make it to heaven. Not one will be lost and that everyone will persevere in their faith. James also mentioned the trials that we go through, that no one would become weary and well-doing and turn away from you, Lord, that everyone would stay close to you every day, walking with you. Lord, we trust you as our healer for our sick today, that you're strengthening and raising up Bobby Hare after going through surgery and helping Carolyn Zinsner and others, Lord. We pray for those who are grieving, like Vicki Trusty, whose father died a few days ago. Be close to Vicki and her sisters and family right now with this loss and help those, Father, who are lonely and sad, that, Father, that they would be helped. So we pray for the grief share ministry and a young adult ministry that these will minister to people's needs and, and help them to uh, just to trust, to stay close to you and to continue to walk with you. And we look at our world, Father, in such great needs everywhere, not only the gospel, the most important thing. But that there would be peace on earth. We do pray for that places where. There is strife and even the threat of war, like with Russia and Ukraine. Again, we just cry out to you and ask, Lord, for cooler heads to prevail. And, Lord, we ask for uh, diplomatic and peaceful solutions to real problems. We know, Lord, you are the answer to every problem. And so our eyes are on you. Thank you for hearing our prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If the children will come up. We'll have a prayer with him. All right. Thank you.
Okay. Got a good group here. Oh, there's one more. All right. Okay. Lord, thank you for the time to pray with these children and just for their eagerness. We're so glad they're here and a part of us. And we want them to grow in the knowledge of you. We pray that you would bless their teacher, that what is shared, they will understand it and apply it in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Got a couple of verses I'd like you to look at on the screen, one right after the other. The first is Romans 3.28. Do we have that? Okay. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. The Apostle Paul said that in Romans 3.28. Now listen to James 2.24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. I can remember still to this day sitting in the seminary class and the professors were going through our New Testament in Greek. And he said, look at that last word in verse 24 of James 2. He said, I'm so glad for the word monone alone. That's there in that verse. If it wasn't for that little Greek word that James wrote there, we would have a contradiction with Romans 3.28. But as it is, we don't have a contradiction. I'm going to read Romans chapter, or rather James chapter 2. We're going through the book of James. 14 through 26. That's my text. I'm going to read it in Eugene Peterson's The Message translation. I, I think he really nails it here. And by hearing it in a paraphrase, I think you'll grasp the whole of what James is saying here. And then we'll go back and slowly go through it verse by verse out of the ESV. OK, but let's listen to the message by Eugene Peterson, his translation of this passage. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works. Works and faith fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God and then observe you complacently sitting back as if you've done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners? That faith expresses itself in works. 
that the works are works of faith. The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. It's that mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith, fruitful in works? The same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing? What counted with escape, what counted with God? That very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works and you get the same thing. A corpse. Well, this is a misunderstood passage. Cults will sometimes use this passage to try to prove salvation by works. But that's not what James is saying at all. The misunderstanding comes when not recognizing that Paul and James have two different audiences that they're addressing and two different purposes. Paul in Romans is largely dealing with legalism. His Jewish opponents were saying that you're saved by works of the law, following the law and making animal sacrifices. His opponents, the Judaizers, were saying, yes, you need Christ, but you need to keep the law of the Old Testament along with Christ to be saved. And Paul would say, no, it's Christ alone for salvation. Now, James is dealing with something entirely different. He's dealing with laxity in the walk of the Jewish Christians that he's writing to who were diminishing the importance of their actions. Paul deals with how to be saved. James, how to live once you're saved. Paul, with the priority of faith. James, the proof of your faith. Paul, for him, works meant laws and rules you followed. James, works means love deeds. For Paul, he talks about the root of your faith. James, the fruit of your faith. For Paul, how to know you're a Christian. For James, how to show you're a Christian. For Paul, how to become a Christian. For James, how to behave as one. I hope you get that. That you see it's not contradictory at all. Two different audiences, two different purposes. Paul also taught the importance of our works, our deeds. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Grace, faith, deeds in that order, says Paul. Okay. The context of this passage that we're looking at today was in verses 12 and 13 of James 2. He mentioned judgment that we would be judged by the law of liberty. So how do we prepare ourselves for this future judgment? James mentions four ways we don't and one way we do. Another way to say that is real faith. Here's four things it's not and one thing it really is. Okay. Real faith is not just something you say or not just something you claim. That's in verse 14. A brother says he has faith. Now, there are approximately 330 million people in this country. 
and 200 million of them claim to be Christians. Do you honestly think there are 200 million little Jesuses walking around America? I think if there really were, our country would look quite different than it does. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. In other words, not everyone who professes Christianity is a possessor of Christ. I remember hearing years ago a man named Larry Flint say, I got saved. I'm a Christian. He was the publisher of Hustler magazine. After this event, he continued to publish his magazine. Mickey Cohen was saved at a Billy Graham crusade in, I think, 1949. He was a famous mobster in Las Vegas. So his question to the Billy Graham organization was, now that I'm a Christian, can I be a Christian mobster? A pastor asked a lady who attends church regularly where her husband was. And she said, he's home. And so he asked, is he sick? No. Is he saved? He says he is. Well, why isn't he here? Doesn't he love God's people and love to worship God with others? He loves to play golf on Sunday mornings. Does he read the Bible? He never reads the Bible. Does he pray? Uh, yeah, occasionally at meals in private, but never publicly. Does he tithe? When I suggest that he goes through the roof. Does he share his faith? Never. He says everyone will think he's some kind of religious nut. Are you sure he's saved? Well, he was baptized when he was six years old and he went through confirmation class when he was 13. He says he's saved. But is there any evidence? Matthew seven twenty, Jesus. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So the first thing real faith is not is just simply claiming to have it, claiming to be a Christian, saying you're a Christian. Real faith, number two, is not just something you feel. And we see that in verses 15 to 17. Go in peace. I wish you well. Faith is more than wishing someone well. It's more than feeling for others in need. It's more than caring about people emotionally. It's more than sentimentality. It's more than being a nice person. And there are a lot of nice people out there. It's more than shouting hallelujahs real loud, although that might help some of us. You see a person in need and what do you do? That's the question. Do you say Man, I feel for you, brother. May God richly bless you. God loves you. You know what? That's real nice sentiment, but it's not real faith. Real faith gives assistance. That's why I appreciate our food ministry. I realize that we have been doing this for 42 years. <laughs> and it's a weekly thing. It's a daily thing, as Pastor Charles can tell you and others who are involved. It's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 25. Again, this is Jesus. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry 
and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Not just wishing someone well. May you be blessed and have lots to eat. It's actually helping people. James says here in this passage, brothers or sisters. You know, that's family talk. Families help each other. First John three seventeen. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's not real faith. Do you have someone that you could call in the middle of the night that you have a need and, and that person would, would run over and, and help you out? Do you have somebody you could call? That's a good question to think about. And I remember an occasion where I was going to do a mission trip to Haiti. So I was dropped off in Canton at a hotel right beside our yearly meeting office. It was about 1130. I turned off the light. I was going to be picked up at 5 a.m. to go on this mission trip. When suddenly I realized I don't have my passport. Well, that's a calamity. You're not going anywhere if you don't have your passport. So I quickly called Wayne Evans, our area minister, and I said, I forgot my passport. He says, well, you got to go get it. But I have no car, right? So he says, Regina, his wife, happened to be working in that hotel that evening, and she would have a key to the office of the yearly meeting, which was just across the street. Go over there, get the key, go over there, get in the building Find the key for the car, the denominational car, and drive it down home and get your passport and come back. So it's about midnight by the time I get all this going. I leave, I leave Canton and it's snowing. So I know it's two hours and 15 minutes with good conditions. So I'm going faster than I wish I was in these snowy conditions. And I didn't want to call Kathy at midnight and say, hey, drive my passport up. It's, it's snowing. So I think this is something I've got to do. So I drive down. I get my passport. I drive back. I pull in the office and get it back to the hotel at 5 a.m. exactly, right when they're picking me up. So I told that story of what I just said to you to the the church in Marysville where I was pastoring and I had several people at the end of the service that they were mad at me. They said, why didn't you call me? I would have gladly driven your passport up to you. And I thought, you know what? It never crossed my mind. I thought I would think I don't want to bother anybody by calling someone at midnight and asking such a huge thing, you know, get out of bed and go over to my house to get my passport and drive it all the way to Canton, two hours and 15 minutes away. You know, I didn't know if anyone would be willing to do that. But I realized from that experience, there were people that would have been willing to do that. And in fact, were mad at me for not asking them. Real faith acts. It's not just a bunch of religious cliches and warm sentimentality. Number three, 
real faith is not just something you debate. Real faith is not just something you debate. In verse 18, it's like James is imagining an intellectual objector. It's like a debate. One guy says, I'm into faith, and the other guy says, I'm into works, let's debate. I'm a Calvinist, you're an Arminian, I'm a pre-trib rapture guy, you're a post-trib rapture guy, let's go at it. In the 1980s, a group formed called the Jesus Seminar. These group of religious scholars would debate and argue, what did Jesus actually say in the gospel accounts? And so they took the Lord's Prayer. And they looked that over, they studied it, and their conclusion was the only thing Jesus actually said in the Lord's Prayer was our Father. And that the Bible writers made up all the rest of it. So I realize it's possible to be a Bible scholar and have real faith. But it's also possible to devote your entire life to the study of the Bible, to knowing all the Bible languages, and really not know God at all. Or to not be afraid of God, not have an honest, holy fear of God. That's possible. So discern who you're watching on YouTube, the the religious people you're listening to, uh, the TV preachers. You know, are they truly believers? James says, show me your faith here. Apparently, James is from Missouri, the show me state. He wants proof. Some are Lady Claire all Christians. Nobody knows for sure. They think their faith is private. I've actually had Christians say to me, not many over the years, but say, faith is a private thing. I don't broadcast it over there. And I want to say, what are you talking about? Faith is absolutely not a private thing. It's a public thing. It must be spoken and lived out loud, not just thoughts in your head. It's like if I think... I'm a very healthy person and you have your doubts. So you ask if you can live with me for a few months. And I say, sure, come on. And you never see me take a vitamin. I eat cake for breakfast, McDonald's for lunch. I eat candy all afternoon. I eat a huge dinner. I sit in front of the TV all evening eating potato chips. You never see me exercise. And I say, I think I'm really a health nut. You you would say, no, you're not. No matter how good of an argument you make about how healthy you are, you're really not. So the Bible says that when we're saved, when we're born again, we become a new creation. Second Corinthians 517. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That indicates some kind of change. You know, if you grab a 220-volt wire, you're going to know it. If you grab a hold of God, the real, true, living God, you, you should know it. I think I should never be allowed to hold tools. Because one time I was trying to undo a, a, a light bulb, and it broke off in the, in the socket. So I got a pair of pliers. Now, this is a live light socket. I'm standing on a chair with a pair of pliers trying to get the, the bottom of that light bulb. Well, the thing was sparking and popping, and I jumped off the chair and, and dropped the, the pliers. I knew I was onto something. <laughs> and so if you're a Christian, you're a new creation, you're onto something. You're onto God. And real faith is going to bring change in your life. So has anything changed in you? 
Are you still the same old person? Your thoughts are the same. Your words are the same. Your habits are the same. James says, you've got to ask yourself, am I really a believer? Former President Jimmy Carter said the turning point of his life was when he was asked this question. If you would be arrested for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? It's not just thinking you're a Christian and being able to debate it and argue it. Number four, real faith is not just something you believe. Now, that one may surprise you because you think, well, isn't what we believe important? Oh, it absolutely is. Doctrine is essential that I believe in the Trinity, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. I believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, his virgin birth, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension of the father. Important that I believe those things. But 91 percent of Americans say they believe in God. James would say big deal. Believing in God alone isn't going to get you into heaven. Verse 19 says that the devil believes in God, too, and he's not going to heaven. And by the way, the devil's no atheist, like a lot of people proudly proclaim. And that's one of the largest segments in our society that's growing atheists. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The devil's no fool. He believes in God and he knows more about the Bible than you do. But it's not helping him. It says in verse 19 there that demons believe in shudder. That word shudder, shudder means to bristle. The hair on the back of your neck stands up. They hear the name Jesus and it's abject terror for them. The hair on the back of their neck stands up. Like it says in Mark 124 about demons. What have we to do you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. They have some real knowledge, don't they, of who Jesus is, but it's not saving them. What about us? Do we shudder? Does the hair on the back of our necks come up in awe of being in the presence of God? Or do we yawn over the things of God? Is someone looking at their watch this morning and say, how much longer is this guy going to go on? Are you bored with God? Yeah, we believe all the right things. We're orthodox, but it's more than head knowledge. It's heart knowledge. You've heard the saying you can miss heaven by 18 inches. It's got to go from your head to your heart. See, I believe in George Washington, but I'm not a Washingtonian. I believe that he really existed and was our first president, just like I believe that Jesus Christ really existed was a human being in the first century. But here's the difference. George Washington's dead. Jesus Christ is alive. He's still alive. And so I committed my life to him as my savior and Lord, not to George Washington, a historical person. So it's not just what you believe. James says real faith is something you do. Verses 20 to 25. C.H. Spurgeon, the famous British preacher, said, we trust God for good, then we do good. Faith works. James has already expressed this in 127. Religion that is that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. 
to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And then James illustrates it with two people from the Old Testament, Abraham and Rahab, one a man, one a woman. One's a patriarch, the other's a prostitute. One's rich, one's poor. One's famous one is a minor player in Bible history that many of you maybe have never even heard of. James said, this is how we can know Abraham's faith is real. He acted on it. He believed God so completely that he was willing to sacrifice his own son Isaac to God. Being willing to sacrifice his son to God did not make Abraham a believer. It showed that he really believed and put his faith into practice. Rahab's story is found in Joshua chapter 2, if you don't know about her. Lovely story of this woman in Jericho hearing the fame and awe of God and believing in that God enough to betray her own fellow countrymen by hiding the Jewish spies. She risked her life to do that. And as a result, she became an ancestor of Jesus Christ. She was part of his lineage. She acted on her faith. Someone said, our faith is not determined by what we do. It's demonstrated by what we do. In 1859, Jean Gravelet strung a rope from one side of Niagara Falls to the other. Thousands watched him walk across that rope back and forth. They cheered him on as he rode a bicycle across that rope and back. He made an omelet. Yes, he actually cooked breakfast on that rope over the middle of Niagara Falls. He walked on stilts. He pushed a wheelbarrow full of dirt across and back. People hooped and hollered. But then he stopped and said, does anyone believe that I could push a person in this wheelbarrow across and back? And almost everybody said, yeah, we believe you could do it. And he said, get in. (laughs) No one got in. Only one person named Harry Calcord, who happened to be his manager, got on his back and he rode in piggyback across and back. Everybody else stayed safely on the shoreline, which is probably what I would, well, which is definitely what I would do. True faith gets in the wheelbarrow. Do you believe in Jesus? Well, then prove it, show it, act on your faith. Others will see that and they will want what you have because it's true and authentic faith. Two young Christian men were witnessing in an Amish area and they saw an Amish guy farming close to the road. So they walked up to him and said, are you a Christian? And he looked at them a little while and then he got out a piece of paper and he wrote some stuff on the paper and he said, here, these are two people that live in the community. Would you ask them if I'm a Christian or not? Would people at your work say, oh, yeah, he's definitely a Christian at your school? Yeah, she's definitely a Christian. Or or would they not? Would Jesus say, yeah, they know me. I know them. Now, let's do the last verse. James 2.26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. I've conducted 145 funerals and been to many more. And something I always do is I always take a good long look at the person in the casket, if there is a casket. 
And I always realize without fail, yep, their body is there, but they're not. The real them isn't there anymore. Their real spirit has gone on. So James is saying here, you claim to be a Christian, but there's no vital signs. You claim to be a Christian, but you never read or pray or give or worship or serve or witness. You know what? You're scary. You're like a zombie. Yeah, you walk around, you look alive, but you're really dead. Second Corinthians 13, five. And with this, I close. Examine yourselves. And that's what we're going to do right now at the close of this service. I'm going to ask you, each of you to do this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test. So everybody's eyes closed and. Praying right now, take a moment while the praise team comes back and we close with a prayer to reflect. Am I a Christian? Is my faith real? Am I really expressing it outwardly? Or do I just talk like a Christian? Yeah, I know all the doctrines. I can debate people, but I really don't live it out. I see people in need and I say, oh, yeah, have a nice day. Jesus loves you. If you're a spiritual zombie. Today's the day to rectify that. So just talk to the Lord right now and tell him, Lord, I think I'm a Christian. But what others say, I'm a Christian. I don't know. I'm not sure. Be sure today. Just repent of any known sin and ask Christ to come in and forgive your sin and cleanse you. If you don't have a relationship with him, you can even today, even right now. Just say, I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross to forgive my sins. And I put my personal faith and trust in you. And now, Lord, empower me, come into me and live in me so that you can live your life through me. That I am actually living as a Christian. I'm like a little Christ. I want to be. Help each of us, Lord, today and every day. To have real faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.